Lord is on the move this morning. Let us, let us all come with open hearts and open minds before the Lord and to be sensitive to what he's doing, what he's doing in this church, what he's doing in our hearts. Father God, we make room for you. We fix our eyes on Jesus this morning. Holy Spirit, bind us together in unity before you, God. We want to worship you, Holy Spirit. Come and move. Have your way. Point us to Jesus. Give us understanding. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your desire to move in us. Jesus. Thank you. Just take a moment and just worship him. Just turn your attention, turn your affection towards him this morning. We love you, Father. We love you, Abba, Daddy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for who you are. this out.
You know, when the room is filled, you can't see. And what the Spirit of God wants to do is He wants to fill not just this physical room, but He wants to fill this room. He wants to fill your heart. You know, last night there was supposed to be, there There was a meteor shower. I don't. Did anyone see it? I was up at 3 o'clock out in the backyard looking. I'm still like, I reverted back to Polish time, I guess. And uh, the clouds had fallen, so they were probably only about 50, 60 feet above our house. And when I thought about that, singing this song this morning, when the clouds come in, which represents the presence of God in Scripture, it covers everything. And not only does it cover everything, but it dampens everything and moistens it and makes it soft and pliable. And that's what this song is about. It's not about the Holy Spirit filling this 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 building. He doesn't come to worship a building. He comes so that we can worship Him and to fill us. And so I want to encourage you this morning. We're going to sing that song again, but use it as a as a personal invitation for the Holy Spirit to come and to fill your heart, to get into some of those areas where, you know, I don't anyone anyone else like this. You get a little hardened. Any come on. You get a little, you get a little bit, you know, like you're like that steak that hasn't been tenderized enough. You know, you've just got a little bit of gristle in you. Well, the Holy Spirit wants to come in and tenderize you this morning and make you sensitive to his voice. So, Lord, we just tonight, right now, we just come to you and we ask that you'd fill this room. Fill the room of our heart, oh God. Fill us to overflowing, God, so that we'd be more like Jesus. Fill us from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet, oh God. And let your spirit just flow through us, oh God. Let us be like King David who said, Lord, wash me with your word. Cleanse me, Lord. If there be any unpleasant, unwicked way in me, Lord God, I pray that you would just cleanse me, oh God. So right now, Pastor Rebecca, lead us in that song and let's do it and sing it as a declaration of our hearts being laid before the Lord. Yes, Lord, the room, fill the room. Sweet. 
to be near to you. Yeah. I really feel like, you know, what James says in the book of James, it says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. But in that passage, it speaks of, of confessing. It speaks of repentance. And I want to say sometimes, no, I'm trying to pat it, and I'm not going to pat it out for you. Disobedience gets in the way of our closeness with Jesus. And when we know we haven't asked for forgiveness, we're not close with Jesus. We can love Jesus, but we're not close to him. And I feel like the Lord is saying, ask forgiveness for that disobedience. Maybe there's things that you did that were wrong, but maybe there's things that you were supposed to do that you didn't do. See, there's a disobedience of commission. I disobeyed God, but there's disobedience meaning omission. I failed to do something God had asked me to do. Yeah. And I feel like the Lord wants to draw near to you. He wants to draw so near to you right now. He wants to draw so near to you. I feel the heart of God. He wants to be close with you. He wants that embrace. He wants you to feel his heartbeat. Yeah. The heartbeat of God. But in order for you to feel the heartbeat yeah. of God, you got to lay on his chest. And the Lord says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. But let's get this out of the way. You know the stuff... Let's get the stuff out of the way. We got stuff. And all it takes is for you to say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my disobedience. Forgive me of my pride. Forgive me of my arrogance. Forgive me, Lord, of putting something before you. Right now, we're just going to do that. All of us together. Lord, Right now, as a community of faith, Lord, we just remove anything that's in the way of being close with you. Any attitudes, pride, arrogance, disobedience, sin, fear, whatever it may be, Lord, we just say cleanse us. Cleanse us, Lord, because we want to draw near to you. We want to feel your heartbeat. We want to be close to you, Jesus so that you can fill us, so that you can fill us with your Holy Spirit, so that you can fill us with your power, so that you can fill us with your presence. Come on, let's sing that song again. Fill the room, fill the room, fill the room, fill the room, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. We come back to the Father. 
We're coming back to the Father. He's there with open arms. Coming back to the Father. We're coming back to the Father. He's there with open arms. Yeah, yeah,
trading up this morning. We're saying, God, take, take these parts of my life all together. And I submit myself to you because I want you more than all these things. I want you more than control over all these things. Father God, you have the deciding factor in my life over all these parts. Father God, how we parent, how we work, how we do business, how we drive over our schedules. Father God, how we relax, how we vacation. Father God, how we walk with you is to give you control because we can trust you. You're not obsessed with control, we are God. You're not a God who is obsessed with control. We are. We are obsessed with control of our own lives, but God, we wanna be your bride who gives you control and say, I trust you. When I trust you, God, I'm trading up. You can do it better than I do. because you brought me from the pits of death and sin and destruction into life, onto solid ground. As we stand on your word, God, we wanna know your word. We gotta live out your word and walk with Jesus who is the word and walk in submission like Jesus did how he showed us how to live. That you brought us from death to life. Thank you, Lord. Mine. The enemy thought he had me, 
but Jesus said you are mine. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus Let's sing that again. said the enemy you thought. are mine. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said you are mine. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said you are mine. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said you are mine. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said you are mine. No longer I who live, but Christ in me, for I've been born again. My heart is free, the hope of Point to the price you paid when something says I'm not worthy. I point to that empty grave, just like Lazarus. Oh, you brought me back to life. Oh, no longer I who live, but Christ in Can I begin to thank you for all that you've done for me? 
Jesus to fully praise you. It will take all eternity, just like Lazarus. Oh, you brought me back to life. Oh, you brought me back to life. Oh, oh you brought me back to life. No longer I who live, but Christ in me, for I've But Jesus said, you are mine. The enemy thought he had me. But Jesus said, you are mine. The enemy thought he had me. But Jesus said, you are mine. The enemy thought he had me. But Jesus said, you are mine. The enemy thought he had me. But Jesus said, you are mine. The enemy thought he had me, but Jesus said, you are mine. No longer I who live, but Christ in me, for I've been born again. My heart is free, the hope of heaven before me, the grave behind, hallelujah. He brought me back to life. Hallelujah. You brought me back to life. Hallelujah. You brought me back to life. Thank you. Thank you. death to life we rise death to life we rise He's calling you to life. In the spirit rise. He's calling us to life. Don't turn around and go back in the grave 
He's calling you to life. Thank you, Jesus.
you belong to do you know what tribe you belong to are you wavering are you trying to find your tribe out there in the world someplace you belong to the tribe of the children of God so don't throw away your confidence do not throw away your confidence Hebrews chapter 10 verse 35 so do not throw away your confidence it will be richly rewarded you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God you will receive what he has promised for in just a little while he was coming will not delay and but my righteous one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back but we do not belong come on people we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed but to those who have faith to those who have faith and are saved then he goes in Hebrews chapter 11 he goes in and he tells us about our brothers and sisters that had faith he tells us about the tribe we belong to he tells us this is your inheritance these are the people that have your DNA by faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did by faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death by faith Noah when warned about things not seen in holy fear built an ark to save his family by faith Abraham when called to go to place he would later receive as inheritance obeyed and went and by faith even Sarah who was past childbearing age was enabled to bear children by faith Abraham when God tested him offered Isaac as a sacrifice by faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons by faith, by faith, by faith. <coughs> this is you. This is not just them. This is you. 
By faith, Haley. By faith, Rama. By faith, Pastor David. By faith, Sheila. By faith, Brian. By faith, by faith, by faith. Come on, let's sing this song again. Come on. Oh God, yeah. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you now. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages, I'm standing on your faithfulness. Touch you right where you're at. 
If you have a need, I want you to be standing. If you don't have a need, I want you to be seated. Because we're going to do what that song says. We're going to stand on the faithfulness of God. We're going to stand on the rock eternal. The one who says in the book of Hebrews, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. You don't, have to, you don't have to question it. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to calculate whether God is the same God that parted the Red Sea or he's the same God that's going to show up for your situation. You know, we got new grandparents here. And I remember a couple months ago, we prayed for your, your daughter and God was faithful. We had people that were asking God to, to release them to get a home and God released a home to them. We had people that were praying that God would release their, their, their body to produce babies. And we're, we got lots of babies now, you know. We had a conversation with our kids last night. and We were real serious. And I could see in my kids' faces that they were like, and I, I, I said, well, no, we're not, we're not moving to Poland or anything. We're not moving anything. And my son Chris goes, wow, I thought mom might have been pregnant, you know. <laughs> you know, you never know what can happen with the Lord. Sarah, you know. She's shaking her head. That's not from the Lord, just so you know. What is the need you have this morning? You know, sometimes we think it's too big for God. But let me tell you, He wants to do exceedingly abundantly above what you imagine or ask. Now think about that. You read that, but do you believe it? Do you believe that God can do above what you imagine or ask? Not just for just enough but more than enough. So, Father, right now we come to you in that precious name that is above every name, that every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. Every illness will bow before you. Every disease, your word says, by your stripes we are healed. Lord, for every estranged relationship, God, we ask that you would bring healing and restoration. For bodies that need to be touched, oh God, we pray you would touch them supernaturally. Lord, for situations that are out of our control that we don't know what to do, Lord, your word says, let us cast our cares upon you because you care for us. Lord, I pray that we could just take all of those burdens, all of those things that are weighing us down, all of those things that are so heavy upon us that, God, we could just lay them down. And I pray the words of the prophet Isaiah... In Isaiah chapter 26, where he says, You will keep those in perfect peace whose mind are steadfast because they trust in you. So, Lord, right now, we just lay those things down at the feet of Jesus. We lay them down, Father. Lord, we don't allow worry to get in. We don't allow what other people are saying that don't have the faith that we have. Lord, we don't allow the circumstance or the situation Because, Lord, we know, just like you swallowed up death in the grave, Lord, you're going to wipe away our tears. You're going to remove the the, the disgrace that is upon your people. Lord, you're going to remove it as far as east is from west. And, Lord, you're going to give us a new day. And, Lord, I just pray right now for each and every one of us that we would have the, the spiritual grit, the spiritual resolve to say that I trust in the Lord. And that, Lord, you will give us that perfect peace. A peace that, according to what the Word of God says, will pass our understanding. We don't know why you're giving us that peace. But we have an incredible 
ability to trust you because we've seen your faithfulness. So Lord, we just stand here this morning as a, as a, a, a prophetic act of declaring, not just by our words, but by our actions, that we're standing on the rock eternal. That, Lord, this isn't sinking sand we're on, but we're standing on Christ today and the promise of his word. In your precious name we ask, amen. You know what's beautiful? In sign language, faithfulness is, is this. Faith is this. Faithful is this. And faithfulness is this. A repetition of faith over and over and over and over again. And sometimes that's all you need. You know, you just need that faith to trust in the Lord. Amen? Hey, well, we've got a couple uh, guests and visitors here. We've got these new grandparents right here. What is your grandbaby's name? I never got it. Riley. 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 And then we got Riley, and then over here, we've got one of the newest members over here. Look where, there's little Mickey. Little Mickey. Isn't he cute? And they brought their, their, their own nurse. <laughs> hey, why don't you turn and greet one another, say hello, and we'll be back and share some announcements. Don't you love the Lord? Isn't it good to be part of a family? You know? We're welcome. You're all here. We're glad you're here today. God's got some great things in store. Uh, if you haven't been here a while or if you're, any of your contact information's changed, if you'd grab one of those communication cards and fill it out or if you have a prayer request you want our intercessory prayer team to be praying for, if you're watching online and you have it, you could just drop us an email. We'll be praying with you. Uh, we have a couple things going on. The men's Bible study has concluded, but the ladies uh, are going to have some more. They're going to go through the next four weeks. They're going to have a ladies' Bible study. 
uh, looking at different women in the Bible. They haven't determined which one they're going to look at yet, but there's a, a slew of them that... Oh, we know. That's like guys never know what ladies are thinking, you know. It's just like it's the female mystique, you know. Uh, we have a couple things coming up. We have an annual business meeting. We are a corporation in the state of California. We're required by law to have a, a business meeting once a year. We have that either in September, October. It's going to be October this year, the 29th. It's not going to be a very long meeting, but we want you to be aware of where we're at. We want to have uh, fiscal accountability and transparency. So there'll be a, a report of our finances. We'll also have an election. We have two board members stepping down. And we have a nomination uh, process where they've gone through. And we have three names. Uh, Danny Benz. Danny is back in the back here. And uh, where did I see David Iwanaga? David's over here. Uh, and then Mike Martinez right here. Mike, that's the best picture I get of you. Uh, you know? <laughs> I, I had one with a pair of Mike in really short shorts, but I didn't think it was appropriate for Sunday morning. You know? Uh, all three of those are great people that can serve. And... Uh, just be in prayer. You know, God has the right person for the board, and we want to make sure that they're on the board because they do have a lot of responsibilities they help, help with. Uh, and then the day before our uh, annual business meeting on the 28th, Saturday, we're having a fall uh, harvest party here at the church. It's going to be like a trunk or treat. Pastor Sandy's doing that. If you want to decorate your vehicle and park it in the parking lot and hand out lots of candy to kids, just talk to Pastor Sandy. She'll uh, coordinate with that with you. And then we have a couple things going on as far as uh, our giving. I want to give you an update. We got more goats for God. If you don't know what goats for God are, uh, it's at $150, is that what it was? No, 300? I thought it was 150 a goat. Oh, that is 300, yeah. Sorry. Uh, duh. So for $300, we buy two goats and a sewing machine. And we give that to a pastor in Bangladesh. And what that does, it allows them to start a business and have baby goats. And they sell some of the goats. They keep some of the goats. And then they also use the sewing machine. It's an old trindle-type machine. And uh, they can start a, a business, which gives them a stream of income. Uh, because many of these pastors, uh, they, they aren't full-time pastors. They work or they're trying to find ways to work. So this is a great way to do it. So uh, there's some more goats. Isn't that great? And then our prayer partners of the week, uh, uh, we have uh, partners that are in uh, the nation of Oman. Uh, we don't uh, list their names because of the sensitivity of the work that they do there. Uh, but uh, they are in uh, Oman. Actually, they're back uh, uh, in the United States right now uh, raising some additional support. And we found out they were in the States. We want to pray for them. Uh, that country is, it's got one of the oldest forms of Islam uh, known. And uh, they're there doing uh, ministry, helping to plant churches and, and working with uh, discipling people into the faith. So keep them in your prayer. If you want more information about them, see me personally. I'll give you their information. And then also we want to pray for our pastoral staff that God would uh, uh, bless them. This is Pastor Appreciation Month, and we want to pray for our staff. And then one of the things that we want to do is uh, we also want to pray for the situation in the Middle East. You know, um, I hear people all the time, all this week, I've had conversations with people saying, is this the end times? This is the end times. I tell people this. Jesus said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons. It's only for the Father. It's for us to be ready all the time. And so what we want to do is we want to pray because there are people on uh, both sides of the conflict that are, uh, need our prayers. There's people that are caught and they're just in a, 
they're in Gaza, they're up in, up in northern Israel, and Hezbollah has been firing rockets in from Lebanon and Syria, and there's some crazy stuff going on down in the east. We just need to pray for a quick resolve of this and pray that the peace process would happen quickly. And, uh, you know, the scripture says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And right now there's not a lot of peace. And uh, those of you that are planning to go to Israel with us, uh, the travel agent said, just hold your horses. Uh, if you cancel, you lose your deposit. If they cancel and reschedule, you don't lose anything. Uh, we're not going to take you into a war zone, uh, at least not knowingly. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they'll, they won't let us get back in until it's safe. Uh, we have a friend of ours that was supposed to go out uh, a couple weeks ago, and they canceled the trip. So just be at peace. He holds you in the palm of his hand, and he'll take care of you. So let's pray for our, our ministry partners and then also for... Israel. Father, we thank you for our partners in Oman. We pray you would bless them and help them to be successful in reaching people for the name of Jesus Christ and they would come to faith. We pray for our pastoral team, Lord, that you'd bless all of us, Lord. Help us to be faithful stewards. And Lord, we want to pray for the situation in, in the Middle East, Lord, with Israel and with Gaza and with the the West Bank and the countries around it and the, the amassing of military troops from many different nations posing for battle, Lord. Father, we pray that the Prince of Peace would, would allow this process to quickly be resolved, Lord. Father, we ask that you would protect those that are innocent. Lord, protect those that are in harm's way right now. We pray for uh, diplomacy in the best that it can work to work. We pray for protection of people on both sides, Lord. And we ask and pray, Father, that your hand would just uh, bring stillness to that very volatile region of the world. And, Father, we, we just surrender it to you, Lord. And we pray also for our church, Lord. You would bless uh, the offering that we're about to take, Lord. I pray you would bless both the gift and the giver. Lord, uh, those that are giving out of plenty, we bless them and ask you to give them more. Those that are giving out of need or want, Lord, I pray you would help them to be uh, uh, blessed in their, their finances and their stewardship, Lord. And we pray that, Father, as a church, we'll be a good steward of the resources that you've put into our hands, Father. And we thank you for that in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, Usher's going to come and bless you as you give. Uh, Pastor Rebecca will lead us in a chorus, and then Pastor Lynn's going to come up and preach. You free the captives then. You're freeing hearts right now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You touch the lepers there. I feel your touch right now. You are the same God. You are the same God. Praise the Lord. Thank you, worship team. Praise the Lord. Wow. Is it awkward for you if I don't just start shouting at you right away? No. <laughs> you know, the honest truth is things have changed. And you all feel it and you know it. And don't try to go back move forward. Things have changed. 
and God is doing something at crossroads. And when I say crossroads, I don't say, you know, like we're, we're looking at crossroads as, uh, as a uh, spectator. God is doing something in you. And he's moving us forward together in a very powerful way. And the dynamic has changed. And you can feel it and I can feel it. And you know it in your spirit. I know it in my spirit. And we're moving forward in that. And um, it's so nice after our retreats to have the men and the women back together because we had two retreats in a row and God moved powerfully um, last weekend. We had our women's retreat and it feels like forever ago in, in a weird kind of way. We all crossed the Jordan River and, and got rebaptized in the new season uh, that God has for us moving forward in our double anointing. And um, there are new things God is doing in this house through us. Last night, actually, you know, I'm a year older since you saw me last because my birthday was this week. Yes, give it a hand. Yes. Thank you. I made it through another year. Can you believe that? And um, I I, uh, Zoomed with my children. I wanted them all at one time. As you know, you know, it's hard. Any of you that have more than one child that's an adult. It's hard to get them all together, right? And especially when they live all over the country, which mine do. So they all adjusted their schedules and we Zoomed uh, with each other last night and it was quite intense. Um, It was intense (laughs) because the Lord had me tell them some things that, um, that are a part of their calling and that was intense. You know, the Lord um, has us do things that are not comfortable, even with our children, even with your adult children. Let's get really specific, okay? And it's not comfortable. And a lot of times we want to retreat into comfortable. I don't want to rock the boat because if I rock the boat, I don't know what's going to happen And the Lord does ask us to move into the uncomfortable. To get to the other side and to bring other people to the other side. That's not my sermon. This is just a word for somebody in this house right now. Um, You know, Jesus, when he was on the Sea of Galilee and the storm hit when he was with the disciples. You all, many of you know this story. It's a very popular story. The storm hits. He's asleep. Remember that one? He's asleep on a cushion. I love the fact that he was on a cushion. That makes me feel better when I travel as well. I'm a little high maintenance as well. I need a cushion. Jesus was on a cushion. So when I say, hey, listen, I can't do that. I need a cushion. Jesus was on a cushion and the storm came. You know what's interesting about that is that he was taking them to a place those disciples had never gone before. Did you know that? He was taking them into Gentile territory. He was taking them to a place where there was a demoniac who had, and he cast out the demon into what? A group of what? Pigs. That's how we know it was Gentile territory. Jews didn't do anything with pigs, by the way. Nothing. He was taking them to a place to show them his power amongst the Gentiles. A place that they had never gone before. And a lot of times we want to retreat when we feel the storm when God is taking us into a new place. We start feeling the boat shaking. We rock the boat in our family. 
going to be quiet one today. That's okay. That's a word for, for us. You know, if you're going to get them to the other side, you're going to have to rock the boat. To display the power of God so that they can see the power of God because those very disciples were going to manifest the power of God. They were going to cast out demons. Come on, Jesus. Jesus is in this place. He's all, go girl. You go girl. Okay. So last night we were Zooming, and as we were worshiping, the Lord reminded me of a, a story my, uh, one of my grandchildren told me, Isaac. Many of you know him. They used to live with us. And Isaac, now he plays soccer, all you sports enthusiasts. It's a soccer story, so you're going to love it. And he's in sixth grade, but he's on the junior high team, and most of the players are older than him. He made the team. I think there's only like two sixth graders on the team, and he happens to be one of them. And he plays with a lot of eighth graders and seventh graders. And Phoebe was telling me, and Isaac was telling me, how much his game has improved because he's playing with older kids that know the game better, that much are much more developed in that game. So now he's a better player because he has uh, graduated to a new level through the tension of being challenged. You know this is going somewhere, right? So the fact is this. The Lord has placed you at crossroads, and you're thinking, I don't know what they're doing right now. They're, they're doing something right now. I don't get it. I don't get the intensity. I don't get what they're doing. Spirit, you know, like, what is that singing in the spirit? What is that singing in the spirit? Why do we have to stand so long? Come on. You know, some of you are thinking that way. I can't wait to sit down. Okay. Come on. I know you all. And what's happening, though, is the Lord has placed you in an atmosphere to up your game to graduate you. That's what Jesus did with his disciples. You know, I listen to some reels. You know what reels are. Who knows what reels are? Oh, the, the youngers do. And Pastor David, the, the, there's something to look at when you're very bored. When you're very bored and empty of thought. Because there's not a lot to it. You're not going to get a lot of depth. You know, I'm not going to tell you where to look at, you know. But you know what I'm saying when you're just like waiting in line for something. And I do listen to a lot of, you know, you get on an algorithm. And I get a lot of preachers, you know, on my algorithm. And there's this constant kind of theme that, hey, listen, you know, when sometimes God graduates you. And you got to leave the people that are holding you back. And they're not, you know, and all this stuff. And I thought to myself, Jesus didn't leave the people holding them back. He brought them with him. He actually lifted them up to a higher standard because of who he was. And a lot of times there's this kind of like, I got to leave the ones that are, you know, I got to forsake those ones rather than bringing them up with you to a higher standard. And that's what the Lord has called us to do. Let me say this too. You are an influenced person. If you don't think you're influenced, you're deceived. You're influenced. And what you expose yourself to will influence you subconsciously. So the more you expose yourself to certain things, it will affect the way that you think. So that's why it's important to really take note what you're exposing yourself to. Because it will form your belief systems. 
it will form the way that you think. And it will cultivate what I call your filter. What you're influenced by will cultivate your filter. And that's why we're, I am, Pastor David and I have such a commitment to preach his word to you. Because we want his word to be your greatest influence. We want the house of God to be an influence to you. We want your godly brothers and sisters in Christ to be influence to you. So that how you think, so that you're not deceived by the world. You're not deceived by the spirits in the world. You know, Pastor David mentioned last days. Are we in the last days? You know, I live like I'm in the last days. I live like I'm in the last days. But a lot of times we look at the events and we say we're in the last days. Wars, rumors of wars, what's happening in the Middle East. And we say, that's a sign of the last days. But you know what's interesting? We don't really look within to see the signs of the last days. And a lot of what's said, especially by the Apostle Paul, has to do with checking ourselves Checking the way that we're living, checking the way that we're thinking, not being deceived ourselves, because one of the greatest signs of the last days is deception. And I'm going to say this, I'm going to connect influence with deception. Beware of what you're influenced by in the world, because it can be cultivating the seedbed of deception. Okay, now we're going to get into the word. Things that get in the way. A powerless Christian life. Powerless Christian life. Powerless Christian life. We are called to live a powerful Christian life. Meaning full of power. So let's read. Because Paul writes his last book. Before you die, I thought, you know, last night when we were having this big, intense call, like Zoom call with my kids, they were thinking, they're going to give us some bad news right now, because why are we doing this kind of thing? Well, you know, before somebody is going to depart, leave the earth, and Paul was on his last few days. This is his last book. This is his last letter he writes, 2 Timothy chapter 3. When somebody does that, that means you bend in to listen. This is their last words. These are what he's choosing to write about. In all of his letters, which we look at all of his letters together and what he says, but in this letter, there is an exclamation mark. So this is it. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. If you have your Bibles, get it out. One of the things, one of the new season things is get out your Bible. If you don't, we have it up here. But we want to be people that bring our Bibles. We want to be people who write in our Bibles. We want to be a person that there's a day when you will have that Bible written in so much you're going to give it to one of your children or your grandchildren. Amen. And one of the most precious things they're going to have is one of mama or daddy's or grandma or grandpa's Bibles. 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. This is what he says. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. And this is the list he gives. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, 
abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. So he says there, these people can be influential to you. Just remember, I just talked about influencers. They're the kind who worm their ways into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning, but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. They prey upon people. Just as Jonas and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. It's interesting because the pinnacle of that statement is he describes all of these characteristics and then he says having a form of godliness but denying its power. So they're parading around in one way, but they're not powerful Christian people because you have to be a person who is submitted to Christ. You can't have all of these things going on in your life and be a godly person. Now, this is what's interesting about this, is that he juxtaposes this list with godliness. And he juxtaposes this list with people he identifies in the Hebrew history, the Jewish history of people who had a form of power, had limited power, who came against Moses and Aaron in the time of the Exodus. So it's very important that we know who these people are because he gives them as an example of what to watch out for. But remember, this list that he gives us, lovers of themselves, lovers of money, all of this stuff, is not for us just to go around and discern in others, but to discern in ourselves. See, these things that he gives a list of produces a form of godliness. This list, I can have a form of godliness, but I'm not living a powerful life. You know, this is a hard text to preach on. This is a hard text to do filled to the brim on. Felt a lot of pushback spiritually. Because I'm identifying something that's happening right now in our culture. And that's why I want to encourage you to be influenced by the right people. Godly people. The house of the Lord. You know, let me just say an aside. When we gather together, this is not entertainment. When we gather together, this is not a spectator sport. Make me feel something. It's not a spectator sport. This is a place when we gather together of discipleship. 
this is a place of accountability. 360 degree accountability. And there are so many trends right now that are causing the believer to be pulled away from accountability and people are saying it's okay. Teach, you know what, Pastor Lynn, I listened to this person on YouTube and uh, you know what, they don't know you. And guess what, you don't know them. You have no relationship with them. And the Lord has called us to be in relationship with one another. I am just telling you, this will prevent deception. This will prevent you from falling away. In the last days, there will be lots of false teachers. Lots of false things being said that are going to pet your flesh. It's okay. You can live that way. It's okay. You can have that addiction in your life. Oh, you can't overcome it. That's out there, and it's out there a lot. Oh, you're victimizing me when you say I have to overcome that addiction. The house of the... I'm, I'm being real with you. I'm pulling you up. The house of the Lord is a place to remind you, you don't shrink back, like I read in Hebrews chapter 10. We are not people who shrink back, but by faith we build an ark. But by faith we do these things God has called us to do. We are not of a people that shrink back. It's to remind you who you are. And it's also to remind you, guess what, that you're a living sacrifice. Oh, I need to go to an entertain. My children aren't in entertained at church. Uh, Excuse me? Excuse me? They don't need to be entertained. They need to be discipled. They need to be discipled. I don't go to our school out here and go to the math teacher. Are you entertaining the kids while you're teaching math? Are you entertaining them? Because the parent told me you aren't entertaining them. No, I'm teaching them math. So that they're not deceived when somebody's giving them change. Listen, the house of the Lord is to learn the things of God. <sighs> Having a form of godliness but denying its power. We want to live powerful lives. We will not have a form of godliness. And this list is a list of fleshly behaviors that really describe one kingdom. The kingdom of self. Go through the list. Building up the kingdom of self. We're not about the kingdom of self. The other thing about these attitudes and behaviors in this list is that there are teachers out there in our world that masquerade as light. Did you know that the enemy masquerades as light? It has to do with what we call partial truth. Partial truth is more deceptive than anything because there is a kernel of truth there. That can lead you into deception. That's what the enemy did with Eve. He gave her partial truth. Did not God not say. And then he led her down the pathway of flesh. To say you don't need God. He's holding back from you. See when we harbor these things in our lives. This list. We are actually surrendering to the powers of this world. And 
and having a form of godliness but denying its power is what we call in theology syncretism. Syncretism is when we take the philosophies of the world or the philosophies of whatever, another religion, a philosophy of something else, and we mix it with scripture. And we make what is called another gospel. Beware of that. See, if we live a powerless life in Christ, the world's power will appear to be greater than the power of Christ. Now, let me just say, it will appear to be greater. Christians can even be frightened by the power of the world. Why? Because they're not living a powerful life themselves. So it appears greater. So what gets us to this place of living powerless? Because we're not going to be people that live powerlessly. Well, your filter. That's why I started talking about your influence. Listening to false teachings that mix the world's philosophies. False teaching, one of the marked things of false teaching, that it will gratify your flesh. It will build up your flesh. Oh, that feels so good right now. They are telling me what I want to hear. It's kind of like those diets out there. You know the diets that say, you can eat whatever you want and just take this pill. I like that. I like that. I don't have to exercise. I can eat whatever I want. I just take a pill. Why? Because it gratifies. It says you don't have to live self-disciplined at all. False teaching builds up the human heart or pride. It builds up human pride. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. See, false teaching is not rooted in the word of God or in the spirit of God. They encourage a form of godliness, but denying its power. Now, let's look at these people that Paul's talking about. Who was Janus and Jambres? It's agreed upon by the theologians that Paul is referring to the two brothers who used sorcery, which is demonic powers, to stand up against Moses when they were, when Moses and Aaron were going before Pharaoh in the Exodus. Remember the story? He's coming out. And they imitated Moses and Aaron's miracles. Let's read it. Exodus 7, 10 through 12. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron cast down his staff before Pharaoh and his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh summoned the wise men and the sorcerers, and they, the magicians of Egypt, also did the same, power, same by their secret arts. For each man cast down his staff, and they became serpents. But Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. So they imitated the miracles of Moses and Aaron. And an imitation they had, listen, they had a form of power. They had demonic power. They had a spurt of power. They had an appearance of power. They had periodic power. But every time the power of Aaron and Moses, the power of God manifesting through Aaron and Moses overcame what Jonas and Jambres did. And so Jonas and Jambres, they imitated the miracle of the staff. Then when the Nile River 
is turning to blood, they also imitated the first plague. And then they get to the second plague, the frogs. And it says this. Exodus 7.22. Well, it doesn't say that. But, but the magicians of Egypt did the same by their secret arts. So Pharaoh's heart remained hardened and he would not listen to them, Moses and Aaron, as the Lord had said. So what happens is when these magicians do this, Pharaoh's heart is lifted up. His heart gets harder and harder. His pride is increased. False teachers will cause your heart to get harder because your pride is lifted up and you will not want to receive teaching that confronts your pride. See, false teachers lift up your heart, proudful heart, and when you have a proudful heart, you will look for people to validate it. I will go around and I will look for worldly truth to agree with my sin rather than me repent. Exodus 8, 5 through 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the streams and canals and ponds and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land. But the magicians did the same things by their secret arts. They did the same thing. They also made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people, and I will let your people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. And they did so. Now listen. So the magician's power starts breaking down at this point because they are able to produce the frogs, but they're not able to Take them away. So Pharaoh, so it starts breaking down pretty quick. Then we get to the next plague. Exodus 8, 18 through 19. And it had to do with the gnats and the lice. But when the magicians tried to produce gnats by their secret arts, they could not. Since the gnats were on people and animals everywhere, the magician said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God, but Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he would not listen, just as the Lord had said. So in the end, the power of God dominated those of Pharaoh's magicians. Why? Because God's power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead that dwells in you, is omnipotent. It's all-powerful. And you need to know as a believer that you have the Holy Spirit in you, which is all-powerful. Why was Moses and Aaron able to have this manifestation of power? Because they were submitted to God. They were obedient to God. They were surrendered to God. They did not do it in themselves. I'm going to tell you this, people, and you need to watch for it. The enemy has a cheap counterfeit out there. He has a cheap counterfeit. This is what Paul is saying to Timothy, who is a pastor of a church in Ephesus. He's saying, the enemy has cheap counterfeits with limited power. Beware of that. Beware of who you're following. Beware of who is influencing you. And the best way for us to guard ourselves against that deception 
is being surrendered to Christ. How do we do it? You know what? Should I just put things? I'm, I'm going to not look at anything. I, 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 I got to shut everything up. No. Be surrendered and submitted to Christ. Don't be convinced of the cheap alternative like Pharaoh was. And his heart was lifted up. You know, beware of choosing to function in worldly power rather than in God's power. Beware in your own life when you choose to function in humanistic power, worldly power. I'm going to even say using economic power. We are submitted to Christ in every way. You know, I am concerned. I'm going to be honest with you. I am very concerned about people in the body of Christ, Christians in the body of Christ, that play the hokey pokey with God. And the fact is this, what shows that we're playing the hokey pokey, you know what the hokey pokey is, right? You put your right foot in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out, rather than all in. What shows when we are doing that is we have spurts of power. We have spurts of power. We have an appearance of power. This is actually falling into what Paul is writing about. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. It's when we are allowing sin or flesh to take over and it's controlling us. And we only have spurts of overcoming power. That's not what Jesus paid for. Listen, that's not what Jesus paid for for his children, for us to have temporary power. Temporary. Spurt. Hokey pokey. Ephesians 1, 18 through 22. I pray that the eyes of your heart, I pray, Lord, that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. What kind of power? Not spurted power, not hokey pokey in and out, in and out, in and out. Incomparably great power for those that believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power, dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under Christ's feet and appointed him to be head over everything for Jesus? No, the church. Jesus didn't do it for him, by the way. He did it for us so that we can have this incomparably great power dwelling in us. Not spurts, not here and there, not hokey pokey, consistent. Because Christ's power dwells in us. We are not to function in partial power. Very same power. And that very same power, according to the scripture, overcame all the powers of the physical and spiritual realms. Somebody might, you can go look it up. I'm sure you'll find a preacher that will tell you you don't have that same power. 
oh, it's just for when you get to heaven. By the way, you don't need it in heaven. By the way, you don't need it in heaven. It's when you get to the sweet by and by. You don't need it. You need it here when the principalities and powers and demonic realm tries to come against you. And you say, you know what? I have his all-encompassing power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. Not an imitation power. Not a less than power. He said the very same power. And when you go through something, and something's coming against you, when you're in the storm going to the other side, you, know you say, I got the same power that raised Christ from the dead. It dwells in me. I do not allow that word from the enemy to try to compromise me. So what makes us powerless? What makes us powerless? Well, I already talked about when we cling to false teaching and worldly philosophies. When we cling to it. Because it feels good. It feels good. I don't have to change. Oh, I love. It's just me. This is just me being me. Guess what? You're a new creation. All things, behold, all things have come new. Now, we all know we're in process. We are in process. That's part of it. We are transformed and being transformed, right? So we are in process. But we don't use the excuse, I'm just being me, for us to be fleshly. Sinful, I'm just being me. I'm just human. Guess what? You're more than human. You have the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwelling in you because now you're a new creation and the Holy Spirit dwells in you. You are different than people who do not have the Holy Spirit dwelling in them. Let me just say this. Paul, the apostle who writes 2 Timothy, writes Ephesians that we just read. One of my favorite books is Corinthians. I love Corinthians. I don't even know why. Maybe because it was a hard group. The Corinthian people was a tough crowd. Sometimes I think the Lord just called us to a tough crowd. <laughs> tough crowd. Sometimes they say, is it hard to preach overseas? I say, you know what? Come to Crossroads. It's pretty hard here. So they really, you know, they really challenge me. I build my muscle here. When I go over there, they just kind of just like fall, you know. I'm being honest with you now. We're in the honest stage of our relationship. Being pastors here for 12 years. Still with you. Love you. Because I know you're powerful people. So Paul loves the Corinthians. It's his church he planted but the Corinthians are criticizing Paul because they're listening to the blockbuster people. You know, the ones with the big crowds. The ones that seem so refined and have it all together. What Paul would refer to as the super apostles. And so they're drinking in the fleshly kind of gospel. The, 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 the worldliness that these teachers are giving to them. And it's causing Corinth, the church there... To have some immorality issues. So to have some theological issues. To have self-control issues. Because they, they've been listening to other people. And they're criticizing the father of their faith. They're criticizing the one that they know. He's not so refined. He changes the toilet paper in the women's bathroom. You know what I mean? He's not the superstar. That is awesome, isn't it? And Paul confronts them. He confronts them and he says this, and I love this scripture, 1 Corinthians 
He says this to them. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. It's interesting. We can love the superstars, you know, like your children. Maybe you have a child. Oh, man, I really like a certain football player. I really have a boy. You know, aren't these people somebody that's a great musician, somebody that's popular on TV, somebody, and, and you're the father. Oh, Dad, I don't have to listen to you. And really, you'll lay your life down for that child. Those superstars, they're not going to lay their life down. But the ear to hear, to listen, to submit, to surrender, to honor is a problem for the child. And Paul, in the same way, is confronting that to say, listen, you're, you have all these other people that appear to be guardians, but guess what? I'm your father. I know you. I know your dirty room. I've washed your laundry. I've picked up and, and mended your skin knee. I'm there for you. And he confronts them, and he's going to go to them. This is in his letter. And in this story, he's going to them. But he says to them, listen, one of two things is going to happen. You repent now. I'm sending this letter. I'm giving you time to repent. You repent now and submit because of my correction as your spiritual father who desires to lead you into the fullness of Christ. You do it now. So that when I come to you, we're going to have a good time. So when I come to you, we can rejoice. So when I come to you, this has all been taken care of. You can choose to submit now. Or when I come to you, I'm going to come to you with power. And that power is going to be a power of correction. Let me see. 1 Corinthians 4, 19 and 20. This is what he says. But I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills, and I shall find out, not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, but in power. I love that scripture. In other words, my words are not mere words, but I have power behind my words. There's a lot of talk out there. There's a lot of talk that sounds good to you. But you know what? The truth is, the kingdom of God is about powerful living. Not a form of godliness, but the power. Don't coexist, Corinthians, with serving the world's philosophies. Do not coexist. Do not integrate the fleshly teachings that are compromising the word that I'm sending to you. Do not agree with the things of the world. Because when you do, this leads you to powerlessness. So let's go back to 2 Timothy 3. So Jonas and Jambres, false prophets, they manipulated the things of the spiritual world, which is witchcraft. And they did have a limited power that was defeated by the all-powerful God. If you go on from that portion of Scripture, 2 Timothy 3, and you read further, write down just a few verses later, Paul writes something, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. He says this, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, 
correcting and training in righteousness. Wait, there's no entertainment in that. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's word trains us for righteous living, not a form of godliness. He, God's word trains us to live a godly life which produces powerful, overcoming living. That's why the word of God must be the filter for our lives. And I'm telling you, the world around us does not want the word of God to be the filter for our lives. has to do with our time spent in the word it has to do with our time spent in the gathering being being um challenged being challenged in the word you know if we go back to corinthians this is one of our i'm going to read to you some of our favorite scriptures second corinthians 10 3 through 5 paul writes to the same people who were struggling with these teachers causing them encouraging them to be fleshly his second letter he says 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. How do you prevent deception? That scripture, it comes to you and you go, guess what? This is not scriptural. This is against Christ. It's against what Paul says, the knowledge of God. I'm going to say this. and Maybe you've even felt it when we preached. We will preach his word, what it says. We're not going to edit out because we're afraid of offending you or offending the world or offending lifestyles or offending uh, philosophies. Oh, it's quiet. Next week they're all. There are churches, big ones, that edit out the word of God. They don't what we call go there. We're not going to go there. Why aren't you going to go there? Because you're tickling the ears. You're giving them a partial gospel. We will not conform to the pattern of this world. The power in our lives is godliness. And what does that mean? It's meaning being like Christ, having the mind of Christ. See, a big deal in our culture is serving the flesh. What makes people powerless? We choose to empower our flesh. We have are to live a crucified life. But we say, you know what? I want my flesh to be gratified. See, we cannot walk in the power of Christ and choose our flesh. They are opposed. Read Romans. They'll tell you that the, the mind of the flesh is hostile to the mind of the spirit. Hostile. And, and if as a Christian we choose, see, now we know better, right? We know better. We have the truth. You're hearing it. We have the truth, but if we choose the flesh, we are choosing powerlessness. 
We are choosing powerlessness. Colossians, another book of Paul, 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive. Once again, challenging teachers, people in the world, philosophies. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Another thing that the world wants to do is dilute who Jesus is and what his work is on the cross. See, false teachings make Christ in our image. Guess what? Christ was not made in our image. We were made in his image. You say, well, he clothed himself. Yes, we're still made in his image. We, a lot of times, even when people are talking about Jesus, they, they, Jesus, Jesus, they dilute him. They carve him down to something equivalent to them. Colossians 1, 15 through 17. This is what Paul says about Jesus. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That's Jesus Christ. Don't let the world... Or philosophies whittle him down. Colossians 2 9 through 15 says this For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him, now he's gonna talk about us. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, verse 15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. For you, not for him, for you, so that you can live a powerful life. But you are circumcised. The flesh is being torn away, right? Isn't that what he said? Your whole self ruled by the flesh. That's why I go back and say you cannot live a life serving the flesh and live a powerful life. They're mutually exclusive. See, when we choose to live life uh, in the flesh, we're choosing Jonas and Jambres. We're choosing that kind of power. 
We're choosing manipulation of something so that we have a level of power rather than the all-encompassing power that Christ paid for us to live. Listen, he disarmed the rulers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them for us. You are to be a powerful believer. You are to believe what Christ has done and who he is. And when we choose to live by the flesh, it is dangerous living. I'm preaching hard today because my heart, because I know it's dangerous because I've seen the falling away of believers. I've seen them fall away because they chose flesh. They chose deception. They chose to follow after the wrong things and it led them down a path. That's why Paul is warning in 2 Timothy chapter 3 in the last days, terrible times. Listen, I, this is a clarion call to your life. Any pastor that loves you would tell you this. I tell uh, your children, you would tell them. Living by the flesh is dangerous living. It's choosing to serve what Jesus defeated. For you. He gave you power over. You're choosing... To serve what Jesus defeated. And in doing so, now you succumb yourself back to the powers and principalities that he defeated. But I choose the flesh. I choose not to live the circumcised life where the flesh is turned away. I choose to gratify my flesh. And therefore, now I am subject to the very powers and principalities he defeated. Because I chose it. It's dangerous living. You know what else is dangerous living that prevents us from being powerful? is when we choose not to mature. When we choose to remain on the milk and not the meat. We have to grow. Rebecca, come on up here. When we're growing in the Lord, we're choosing the transformed life. It's dangerous, and I'm not going to go into this too much because I don't have time, but Paul writes in Hebrews, and he says to the Hebrew people that we are to move beyond the elementary teachings, and we need to get on the meat. And he also says in Hebrews, in chapter 5, that if we don't, what happens is it becomes dangerous for us. I've seen Christians, people who accepted Christ, people who got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they come to a place where they tell God no. They say yes, they say yes, and then God asks of something for their life to change, for them to allow Christ to transform in their life, and they say no. I've seen it. And once it happens... The spiral happens. I, I'm, you know, is it the last days, Pastor Lynn? Well, I'm preaching like it's the last days right now. I'm preaching like it because I'm saying 
we ward those things off. We recognize that. We will not have a form of godliness and deny its power. We will live godly lives. We will be people who are transformed by the Holy Spirit. We will live sanctified lives. What does it mean to mature in the Lord? It means I allow the Holy Spirit to change me, making me more like Jesus. I let him target things in my life, and I submit to him. I surrender myself. You know, it's interesting because in Hebrews 5, 12, it says this. In fact, these are the people that he's talking to that they need to mature. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And it says in other versions, has trained their senses to distinguish good from evil. Has trained their senses. You know what your senses are, right? How you perceive the world. Eyes, ears, mouth. Has trained your senses. You know, our senses, this is what Paul's saying, our senses eyes, ears, mouth, touch, can lead us into flesh or can lead us into godliness, right? So rather than my eyes being used for lust and greed, but when they're trained for righteousness, I see need. I have compassion. Rather than my ears being, listening to gossip, listening to criticism, listening to evil speech. Now my ears hear the cry of the lonely, hear the cry of the lost, and respond to them. My sense is trained for righteousness rather than my tongue being used to tear down, to criticize. Now my tongue is used to eat the bread of life the word of God and to tell the goodness of my God men women we don't have time to have our senses being used for fleshly things our senses are to be used for righteousness this world needs to know what it looks like not a form of godliness but and denying its power but people who have the incomparably great power living in them the same power that raised Christ from the dead the same power that defeated all the principalities and powers in high places and made them a public spectacle for us shall we honor God in this way, to live godly lives. I want you to stand with me. Because when we live godly lives, we live powerful lives. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Jesus. One thing that's interesting about when you preach a word... The truth is, you never know what somebody's going to get out of it.
Jesus wants you to live a powerful life. He wants you to live an overcoming life. He did that work on the cross for you, for me, to live powerful lives, victorious living. Doesn't mean we don't have battles. Doesn't mean we don't go through storms. We do. We do. That's why you need a powerful life for the battle, for the storm, for the training of your senses so that you live righteously, so that you're not tempted and fall into sin. Come on. Pastor Lynn, is it the last days? Well, I think so. But shall we live as if it is the last days? Because if you have to rearrange your priorities because it's the last days, that meant your priorities weren't in the right place in the first place. Because even if it's not the last days, it may be the person around you's last days. Maybe your last days. Maybe the person that you work with last days before they see Jesus face to face. Come on. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Right now, I just want you to spend just a couple minutes with the Lord, just right now. Say, Lord, purify my heart. What did the word say to you? What was the word that came to your spirit? What was the thing that the Holy Spirit said, that is for you today? I want you to identify it. Before we leave, I want you to identify what the word was to you. Is there some rearranging you need to do? Is there some things you need to shut down that are influencing you? What is the word that is for you that produces the righteousness, the righteous living that he's asking of you? Maybe it's like, you know what? I need to be, I need to step out into the uncomfortable sometimes. Not be intimidated, whatever it may be. Lord, right now, Father, we just lift up our lives to you. We say, search us. Search us, Lord. Search us. We're not hiding out. We're saying, Lord, if there be any wicked way in me, just like David said, Lord, if there's any wicked way in me, Lord, change it. Change it. Lord, I surrender to you. I don't want to follow the things of this world. I don't want to live a deceived life. I don't want to live a compromised life. I don't want to live half power. I don't want to be fleshly. Lord, I want to live a life that's glorifying to you. I want to live a life that you said I could have through the power of the cross, through your resurrection, that very same power that raised Christ from the dead. I will not live a life of fear. I will not live a life of intimidation, what the world has to say, what the majority, I'll tell you what, the majority don't rule. You rule. You you rule. It doesn't matter what our world says. It doesn't matter what they say about you, Jesus. It doesn't matter what they say about us. You rule. You reign. You humiliated the, the principalities and powers that stood against us. You did that. You triumphed over them. And we get to live that life. And Lord, we will live that life glorifying to you. Thank you, Lord. Powerful living. I want you to grab the hand of a person next to you. Just grab the hand. 
And by doing so, you're just covenant making right now. You're saying, I'm going to live a powerful life. I choose powerful living. I choose a life of the spirit. I don't choose a life of following the flesh right now. Just say, you know what? I, I want you to say it to the person next to you. I choose a life of powerful living. I choose a life of powerful living. I choose a life of powerful living. Lord, we declare it. This house, for this house, for this house, we are a Joshua house. We are a promised land house. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We are a Caleb house. We are people that take the high country. We take the difficult stuff and we have victory because we will not be afraid. We are not afraid of the giants in the land. We're not afraid of the, the principalities, the powers that would try to rage against us because you have defeated them, Lord. And that same power, that same presence, dwells in us, Lord. And we thank you, Father, in your name. Amen. God bless you as you go. Yeah. Go live that powerful life right now. God bless you. God bless you, those online. Greet one another. Children's volunteers, I have a meeting with you over here on the left side. If you can come and be with me after service. See you next week. God bless you. just about you I wanna be with you not just around you I wanna love you not just be loved by you I wanna walk with you I wanna know you not just about you I wanna Talk with you.